Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Why does he do it? For his name's sake. Yea, though I walk, Pastor Josh said, keep on walking. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 4 from the NIV says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. You are with me. Your shepherd's rod and staff comfort me. I'm going to preach this morning a message entitled, Because He is with me, I can trust His sovereignty. Say that to a few folks around you. Because He is with me, I can trust His sovereignty. Let us pray one more time. Father, I pray today for the people that, first of all, they would lean forward in their faith to receive. That there would be an incredible belief in their spirit that something is going to transpire in the next few moments of time that's going to cause a momentum to their purpose in the earth. That would be so powerful that it would overwhelm any obstacle it has been constructed to slow them down. I thank you for an anointing that breaks the yoke and sets the people free. And that same anointing leads us and guides us into truth. And when we arrive at truth, we are made free. And we thank you for that. We speak against any demonic assignment on any family represented in this church today. And we cancel that assignment by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, help the preacher today be both prolific but also prophetic in the utterance of the word of God to your congregation. These are your people. Do something for them today. Break every generational curse. Dismiss any generational spirit. Have your way in Jesus' name. Now, we've been praising him all day. One more time, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Let's give Jesus Christ a big prayer. Jesus said, if I be lifted, I will draw all men unto me. God is good. If you don't mind, high five three people and tell them it's on in the building. And then you may be seated. I want to go about this just from a little different perspective today than I usually approach a text. 
I want to rewind the tape for just a moment. Two weeks ago when we started 2023, our first message of the year came out of John chapter 2 and verse number 11. The beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifest his glory and his disciples believed on him. Verse 11, this is the first of his miraculous signs. The Message Bible says this was the first sign Jesus gave. This was the first glimpse of his glory. I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me this week in prayer and say these words, watch for miracles in 2023. Watch for miracles in 2023. I did not hear him say, chase signs and wonders. But I did hear him say, watch for miracles in 2023. Now I'm going to take you on a journey with me just for a moment. I just want you to accompany me and give me your attention just for a few moments as I address some things that I see and how I see things. And when I get done, you may say, that guy's a little weird. And that'll be fine with me because God has always spoke to me in really strange ways. Like I remember a year that God spoke very accurately to me, not that he would be inaccurate, but my hearing would be. From watching the Kentucky Derby of all things, God spoke to me out of the Kentucky Derby. Can you believe that? Well, if you can believe that, surely you can believe that a prophet would tell a king to go dip in a muddy river seven times and he would come up clean. Because many times it's things that you do not think would speak that are speaking the loudest. And when I looked at the year of 2023 and God spoke that to me, John chapter 2 and verse 1 is where we came from last week. We read verse 11 just now. But verse 1 says, and it was on the third day that Jesus went to Cana of Galilee. The world watched January the 2nd, DeMar Hamlin drop dead on a football field. I had never seen that before. It was shocking. It was overwhelming. But I think what got my attention more than anything is how the nation began to pray. I mean, you had people praying on ESPN. And suddenly it was okay to pray. The old saints used to say, God's got a way of doing things. <laughs> and I like the way he'd do it. But it was on January 3rd that it was stated, January 3rd, 2023, it was stated that he had cardiac arrest. Why is that important? This is just me. This is just old crazy Rick Hawkins. His jersey number is number three. He was dismissed from the hospital 
Nine days later, three sets of three. He was 24 years old. Four plus two is six. Two sets of three. On the third day of being in the hospital, he said three words after they took the breathing tube out of him. On the, what I just said is he started breathing on his own on the third day. The three words he says is, love you boys, number one. Did we win? <clears throat> number two. <clears throat> I believe that he is a sign of what God can do when we will pray. But he is also a sign of the beginning of miracles in 2023. So I'm going to prophetically declare to you again, watch for miracles in 2023. Now, last week, I was in San Antonio, and there's a lady lawyer friend of mine that was there. She's been in that church for over 20 years. Hadn't seen her in a while. She was in the altar, and the Lord said, pray for her and pray for her now. I wasn't sure what she was going through. But I told her, Regina, whatever you have been dealing with ends today. God just performed a miracle in your life. She texts me Friday. Bishop, thank you for your prayer Sunday. Just to let you know, on August 31st, 2020, I was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Shortly thereafter, I was diagnosed with stage one breast cancer. I was given two years to live. Fast forward to today. With treatment, many prayers, and the grace, mercy, and faithfulness of God, and after your prayer on Sunday, I just left the oncologist's office. He said these words, there are no signs of cancer anywhere in your body. The CT scans are clear. Your blood work is normal. There is not even an evidence that cancer has ever been in your DNA. She said, prayers have been answered to God be the glory. And I texted her back and I said, Regina, look at God. There is glory in your story. She came back at me. She said, God is truly amazing. My doctor called me back and said he can't understand it because there is no cure for stage four cancer. I told him there is glory in my story. Now let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you again. Begin to watch for miracles in 2023. If I can get about 15 or 20 believers in the building, I dare you to look at somebody and tell them this is the year. 
shout it as loud as you can. 2023 is my miracle year. Now give him praise one more time if you really believe it. I believe we're going to see miracles that's going to shock people. God is good. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. You are with me. Because he is with me, I trust his sovereignty. Woo! Tomorrow, this nation will pause to celebrate a dreamer in his dream. In the greatest speech that he ever made, we find possibly one of the greatest quotes in American history. It is in itself one man's declaration of trust in God's sovereignty. Martin Luther King said, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really, listen to it, doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he has allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I have looked over and I've seen the promised land. Listen to his trust. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried. Listen to the trust in God's sovereignty. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Someone stated in the preface of this service that Martin Luther King Jr. had a great influence on my ministry. And they are right. When I started ministry 41 years ago, I birthed many ministry preaching in Kojic churches and PAW churches. If you've ever heard of them, let me hear you say something. There you go. That's what I thought all the black people said. Amen. When I think about dreamers, there is none that stands out more clearly in my mind than Joseph. Yeah. Genesis chapter 37 through Genesis 50 is a story concerning the sovereignty of God in Joseph's life. What is sovereignty? Sovereignty literally means supreme excellence. Listen to it. Sovereignty, freedom from any external influence or control. Sovereignty, autonomy as a controlling influence. One that is sovereign. 
If God is sovereign, then he is one that exercises supreme authority within his sphere. And Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. God is sovereign. The sovereignty of God is his absolute right to do all things according to his good pleasure. I'm going to say it again. The sovereignty of God is his absolute right to do all things according to his good pleasure. Not according to your good pleasure but according to his good pleasure. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things. Watch it. And for your pleasure, they were created. God is in control. Now, after what you've seen the last few years, you've questioned who is in control. And I just came by here today to remind you that no matter what it looks like, God is in complete control. He is so in control that he gives you the ability to say, everything in my life is either God sent or God used. If God did not send it, he is still going to use it. For we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God. And are thee called according to his purpose. So I want you to say it after me. Everything in my life is either God sent or God used. If God did not send it, he will still use it. Because he is sovereign. God is in control. I looked at Joseph's life and I thought, man, there's no one in Scripture that better exemplifies a man whose life is controlled by God than Joseph himself. Two things about Joseph. Fair versus favor. Fair versus favor. Look at him. Joseph. I won't preach this whole message because I don't want you to, to, you know, get tired. Your mind can comprehend this only as much as your butt can endure. So I'll just keep you here for a moment while your comprehension is at its height. Joseph, is that all right? Did I offend anyone? You'll be all right. Walk it off. Joseph is the love child. Sorry. 
He's the favorite. Sorry. Favor ain't fair. I love Joseph, especially preaching on him on this day. Because Joseph wore the coat of many colors. His very representation was multicolored. It was loud. When I think of Joseph's coat, I think of a coat with a volume knob on it. That he kept on ten all the time. <laughs> He's the firstborn to Rachel. He's the heir of the promise. He's referred to as the dreamer. He's instructed by his dad to bring some cheese and bread to his brothers. When he goes to find his brothers, his dad said they will be in one place, Shechem, but they were in another place called Dothan, which means contention. Be careful about sharing your dreams when your brothers are living in a life filled with contention. Everybody is not in the sphere of receiving your vision. And if you're not careful, you'll get treated like Joseph's brothers treated him. They saw him coming with that loud coat on tin and they said in chapter 37, here comes that dreamer. Your dream has a sound to it. Your dream has a sense of being obnoxious to people who are not with your dream. So what did they do? They didn't beat him. They stripped him of his coat. People want what you're wearing more than who you are. Ooh, they wouldn't even know he was favored if he wasn't wearing the coat. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? Wear your favor and wear it well. And when people start ripping at you, don't get upset. They just can't handle the favor of God that is on your life. They threw him in the pit and they sold him as a slave to the Ishmaelites. That's all preaching material. And I'll say again, what happened to Joseph does not look fair. Don't impose on God your sense of what is fair. Don't impose on God your sense of what is fair. Fair sends the whole human race to hell. You don't want fair. I might want to go through that again. Don't impose on God your sense of what is fair. Fair sends the whole human race to hell. You don't want fair. God is God. And he's the sovereign of the universe. And he doesn't abandon his sovereignty at any point. Particularly in the realm of redemption. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom 
I will have compassion. Can I continue? I will choose whom I choose to choose. I will anoint who I decide to anoint. I will select who I decide to select. Because he is sovereign and he is not influenced by any external powers, including your feelings. Woo. I looked at Joseph and I thought, wow, the presence of sovereignty in the life of Joseph. If anyone can say, he is with me, it's my man Joseph. He goes from the pit straight to Potiphar's house, put in prison, finds favor again. And in chapter 37, or chapter 39, verse 1, Joseph is brought down to, G, to, to, to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him to the hand, out of the hands of the Ishmaelites, watch, which brought him to them and the Lord was with Joseph. And his master, verse 3, saw that the Lord was with him. And the Lord made all that he had that he did prosper in the hand of who? Joseph. Let me tell you something. A man that understands that God is on his side. A man that understands that God is with him. You can put him in prison. You can put him in a pit. You can give him problems. You can throw him in perils. And he's going to come out saying, God is still with me. When you get to verse 20 of chapter 39, Joseph's master took him. Now let me explain to you what happened. There's nothing worse than a woman that'll lie about you. Oh, Pastor Rick, be careful. Mm. Somebody said there's nothing worse than anybody lying about you. No, there's something different about a woman lying about you. You got to read Genesis chapter 3. But I'll leave it there. My question is, girlfriend, why are you talking to a devil? Why are you being beguiled? If you would have talked to your husband first, you would have known. Don't talk to him. So I'll get back to it. I'm going to help you, ladies. Just stay with me. Don't be so mad yet. I still love your pies. The Bible even says there's nothing worse. I better leave it alone. The Bible says a, a nagging wife is like a drip of water. I leave it. Leave it alone, Pastor Rick. I ain't mad at you, girls. I love y'all. But you get a woman mad. Look at Jezebel. Jezebel put a prophet on the run. Woo, Jesus help us. And now Potiphar's wife is mad at Joseph because Joseph will not lay with her. A woman that don't get what she wants. Verse 20 says, she lied on him and the master believed her and took him and put Joseph in the prison place where the king's prisoners were bound and he was there in prison 
But the Lord was with Joseph. There it is again. And showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed everything to Joseph's hand. It don't matter where Joseph goes. He keeps getting stuff he's not asking for. Because God's favor is on his life. Verse 23, the keeper of the prison looked not to do anything that was under his hand. He didn't want to mess with anything Joseph was in control of because the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord made everything prosper because Joseph was in the prison. Everyone, everyone say this with me. The Lord is with me even if I make my bed in hell. Psalm 139. You cannot escape the presence of God. The presence of God is one thing, but when the Lord is with you is another thing. That means he's not only in your company. Are you with me? But he is for you. God was for Joseph from the beginning to the end. And I looked at the position of sovereignty in his life. The sovereignty of God is often questioned because man does not understand what God is doing. When he does not act as we think he should, we conclude he cannot act as we think he would. I don't know if you heard that. I'm going to read it again. The sovereignty of God is often questioned because man does not understand what God is doing. When he does not act as we think he should, we conclude he cannot act as we think he would. When you follow along Joseph's life to chapter 45, verse 5, his brothers now come to him and he is now not only controlling the prison, he's controlling everything in Egypt. Woo! The drought happens and the brothers show up in chapter 45. And in verse 5, Joseph looks at them and says, Do not be grieved. Do not be angry with yourselves. You sold me here. God did send me before you to preserve life. When you get to verse 7, he tells them, God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So, so now it was not you that sent me here. God sent me here. Joseph says, I trust God is in control. Joseph chose to see the betrayal of his brothers as an assignment, not an assault. You sold me. God sent me. You tried to get rid of me, but God was using me. Being sent by God means there has to be an endorsement from God. He didn't say I arrived. He said I was sent. Can you look back over your life and say God sent me through that hell? God sent me through that pit. God sent me through that prison. You can't say that until you come to the conclusion that it's not about you. Well, 
Psalm 105, verse 17 says, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold for a servant. People that understand God's sovereignty stop asking, how did I get here? And they always ask, why am I here? Not how did I wind up here, but why did I wind up here? Sovereignty and the purpose of God in Joseph's life. The sovereignty of God is his absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure. God did send me before you to preserve life. Verse 7, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity in the earth and to save your life. Here's the question, saints, and I'm almost done. Can you believe in God's sovereignty enough that you will let him use you for someone else's salvation? We're not going to shout yet. We'll shout in a minute. But I want to walk you through this because you need to understand that you need to trust the presence of God as being sovereign in your life. You need to trust that God holds the position of sovereignty in your life. And you need to understand there's a purpose to his sovereignty being attached to your life. And it's not about you. So I'm going to read it again. The question is, can you believe in his sovereignty enough that you will let him use you for someone else's salvation? If the answer to that question is yes, then you're saying, God, I will go through anything to see someone else saved. Boy, your mind is running now. Because you're thinking, I'm not sure I want to endure some of the things that might be in front of me for the sake of somebody else. Because in re reality, I'm only concerned about myself. Wow. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. For something to prevail, there must be opposition. There must be a pit. There must be a prison. There must be a lie from Potiphar's wife. Some of you do not realize that the sovereignty of God as a purpose in your life is causing rival, rivalries to face you and oppose you and fight you. And the fight is a sign that the sovereignty of God is operating currently in your life. He is with you. He is in control. Are you saying, Pastor Rick, that God allowed this attack on my life? Yes, I am. You know why he allowed it? Because he trusted you with it. He knew you would be like Joseph. And he knew you would say, God sent me. When you're living right and you're living holy unto God, no matter what you go through, you can always say, God allowed it or God assigned it. If God allowed it and if God assigned it, then I can handle it. Some of y'all are losing me. I hope you stay with me. If God allowed it or God assigned it, you can handle it. Hmm. You know what I believe that God is about to do to his people? This is not in my notes. I, I believe, really believe God's about to put us on the potter's wheel. When you're on the potter's wheel, God is in complete control. Yeah. And even if you are marred, 
it will start you over again. The point is you're never out of his hands. That's good stuff. Now I've talked to you and just meandered my way through this message to get you to hear. I just wanted you to track with me for a while and you did well. Thank you for that. If God is sovereign and he is in control and he allows or assigns things in our life to prove he is sovereign, many times God will allow it or assign it to show you that you are not in control. The purpose of him allowing and assigning it to you is to prove to you, you can't control your life. You have to trust me. And when you fall into those hands, I can tell you, you will always make it to the other side and you will always come out better and you will never come out bitter. But when you take it in your hands and you try to analytically or psychologically manipulate anything that God is doing, then you've removed his sovereignty from him, and now you are Lord of your life. Strong stuff, huh? So it all culminates with this. Confidence in the sovereignty of God in all that affects us is crucial to our trusting him. If there is a single event in all of the universe that can occur outside of God's sovereign control, then we cannot trust him. His love may be infinite, but if his power is limited and his purpose is thwarted, you cannot trust him. Boy, it's quiet now. It is challenging when you begin to expose people's manipulation of serving God. Because you think he is supposed to respond to everything you desire. And if he did, you would kill yourself. Sometimes God says, no, not to disappoint you, but to remind you he has something better in the future. That proves his sovereignty. The hardest thing for people to do is to let go and let God. Have you ever prayed and fasted and it didn't change? Am I the only, I'm the only one, right? You, you confessed, you prayed, you fasted, you spoke, you declared, you decreed, you prophesied, and you woke up, and it was still there. And that's when you got to move from faith to trust. Woo! Your faith will never manipulate God. Your faith is not given to you to manipulate God. Your faith is given to you to move you. Boy, it's quiet now. You're seeing a different side of things now. 
Because you thought you were serving a heavenly Santa Claus. You thought you were serving a cosmic bellhop. You were Sonic. I'll take a number three now, Lord. And he's going to roll out there on roller skates and give it to you. That's not the God you serve. If that's the God you serve, then he's not sovereign. He just does what you say, whatever you want. You just, whatever you, and let me tell you something. Your decisions and desires have the ability to not only delay your destiny, but destroy your destiny. At some point, the people of God have to mature to a place where we trust that God is in control of us and we are not in control of him. Confidence in the sovereignty of God in all that affects us is crucial to our trusting him. I'm going to read it again. If there's a single event in all of the universe that can occur outside of God's sovereign control, you cannot trust him. His love may be infinite, but if his power is limited and his purpose is thwarted, you cannot trust him. Many are the plans of a man's heart. Proverbs 19.21. But God's purpose will prevail. I told you that already. You plan. Because if you don't plan, you're planning to fail. Make your plans and then make room for God to be God and do what he wants to do. So let's get back to our man Joseph. Skip all the way to chapter 50. Verse 18. And his brothers went down and fell down before his face. And they said, behold... We are your servants. Isn't that something that people used to slam you, gossip about you, criticize you, suspicious of you because you had vision. Once they see you succeeding and prospering, they just want to be on the team. And that's what his brothers are doing. Man, we want to serve your vision. And Joseph said unto them, y'all are afraid. Fear not. I'm not in the place of God. Did you hear what he said? I'm not sovereign. I'm not in the place of God. But as for you, let me tell you about you guys. You thought evil against me. You, your intention was evil. You intentionally planned evil. Boy, if you could hear this. What he is saying, I hear you, Gino, so I'm going to preach to you. He's saying this, you meant it for evil. It gets deeper. What he just told them is, hey, brothers, God used you. Y'all didn't hear that right there. You don't know that your haters are being used by God. Martin Luther King Jr. came to that resolution. And when you have a conviction about your cause, it becomes concrete evidence that you are not moved by people's opinions. When Martin Luther King Jr. got the conviction that I should not be using a bathroom that says for blacks, and I can't drink from a water fountain that says for whites only, there's something crooked about that. There's something evil about that. 
that I can't eat in a restaurant, Lord have mercy, with white people because it's whites only and I'm not well. There's something intentionally evil about that. And my man said, that right there has now created a cause that is born from a catalyst named Rosa Parks who got on a bus and said, you know what? I ain't riding on the back today, boys. I'm riding in the front. It took one preacher hearing about the move of one catalyst that caused a movement to sweep this nation that said, listen, we are all equal, black, white, yellow, green, pink, purple. We are all the same people. Many nations, one blood, Acts chapter 17. Y'all are missing this thing here. And he rested in the sovereignty of God. Use your hate to promote his purpose. And you've got to get to a place in your life that you say everything is being used for the purpose of God in the earth. And I'm going to tell you again, when people come against you, see it as a sign to push you forward in your purpose. And he looked at his brothers and said, you were intentionally evil about this thing. I like the next word, but. But God meant it for what? Say it with me. God meant it for good. So if God meant it, then God was in control of it from the beginning. Y'all missed that. Some of y'all think that God takes stuff that is messed up, and that's the only thing he does. He turns that around. No, God took it from its origin and used it to promote his purpose through your life. Good God have mercy. God meant it unto good to bring to pass this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, don't be afraid. I'm going to feed you boys. I'm going to even take care of your children. And he comforted, comforted them and spake kindly to them. Let's take the word meant and I'm done. God meant it for good. The word in the Hebrew means he plotted a plan. He was weaving it all together. It means he fabricated a situation in order to contrive people to push me to the place I am. Racist people hate this message. Because you can't believe that God will use your ugly racism to promote integration in a nation that should have been integrated to begin with. Don't clap if you're racist. Don't clap if you are racist. Do not clap if you're racist. Do not clap if you are a racist. God devised the boy. There was about 30 men sitting there like this. Say it loud. I'm white and I'm proud. 
You allowed 2020 to mess with your brain. You, you, you're allowing 21 and 22 and White House and government and everything else to mess with your convictions. You better get back to the B-I-B-L-E and not your raising. It means God devised the drama. He devised the drama in order to secure a destiny. So you can look back in your life. Some of you have been through horrible events in your life. And you can look all the way back through your life and say, God used every one of those events to push me to the place I'm at right now. God is in total control. He has no rival. He has no competition. He himself says, I am God. In Isaiah chapter 40, who is like me? Then he says, there is none equal to me. God is in control. If you believe it, jump on your feet and give God praise real quick. Let's give God praise. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for an integrated church. Thank you for people that love each other. Thank you for our church that says, God, you are in complete control. You are in complete control of our lives. You are in complete control of our history. You are in complete control of our destiny. And even though people mean things for evil, you will turn around and use it for our good. And I thank you for it.